Hello, and welcome to Over My Head, a look back at Pop's past, presented to you by Los Lovely Boys. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast to get these episodes as they drop. The music for our podcast, as always, is provided by the artist friend of yours. Make sure that you go check out their stuff, and we will put a SoundCloud link in the description for this episode. This is a podcast where we will dissect all things pop from the recent past. Today, we are hoping to answer the all-important question, why did the song Thanks for the Memories by Fall Out Boy pop? This is episode 9 of our show, and we are breaking down a pretty good song today. I think one that might get a little lost in uh, Fall Out Boy's category from time, or their discography from time to time, but really excited. How is everyone doing this week? Well, I I am ready for the Fall Out Boy. I will say that. I, I definitely can get lost in that discography as well, especially the first half, mainly the first half. Um, but I will, uh, yeah, I will always vouch for good old Fall Out Boy, um, I mean, Anthony, you're also a, a, a lad from the Chicago Burbs, so, yeah. Yes, I am. So, yeah, I have some things to say kind of about them uh, in their early days, remembering some of their stuff uh, particularly. But Fall Out Boy is one of those groups that I think everyone in our age group will remember for a long time. Or maybe they'll remember them for centuries. Uh, yeah <laughs> talking about that second half post hiatus uh fallout boy um centuries was a very cringeworthy sing that's probably their most successful song from the second half of their career but we prefer to look back at the first half which is why we're looking at thanks for the memories and thank you for the early memories of fall yes yeah so um we had a a lot of the new music that has dropped recently, um, I know too. So we like to talk about some of that stuff. Um, the new Lady Gaga album. So if you guys didn't check out our last episode oh, yeah. featuring Lady Gaga and Bad Romance, go check that out, um, guys. I think Chromatica is pretty darn good. Um, definitely <laughs> better than Joanne, um, which I don't know if that's necessarily hard to top. But um, listening through it today, it was really awesome. We were just talking off air about the uh, Elton John song. And I said that, yeah, I think it is. It's like a great house track and has those influences. But Elton John just kills it on that track. Yeah, the whole the whole album definitely has a great um, a great house influence running through it. And um, I think I mean, honestly, I liked Joanne for what it was for the most part, but this is this is just really refreshing to hear from her. Um, I mean, you can tell this is the sort of music that just like speaks to her. Yeah, I wonder if pushing it back had some influence on that too to make sure that she did it just the right way. Um, it was supposed to come out, you know, kind of right around where things were getting crazy, and she pushed it back. Probably a good on her part that she did that too but i think it is just getting back to her roots um my girlfriend actually had mentioned that if you go on spotify they actually have different things about each track too so she kind of explains it which i think helps to listen to it too so she was saying like 911 was about her um not wanting to be addicted to pills that she takes for her PTSD. So it was like things like that. And she was saying that the song with Elton John was about actually music had saved her life. So that's why she had Elton John on it, you know, with all this different type of stuff too. So just that background kind of helps you think about uh, things as well. Yeah, for sure. I definitely need to actually check that out. I, I, I'm an Apple music lad. Yeah. Spotify mm-hmm. has good annotations. Um, do you guys want to hear something really creepy about Spotify? Oh, yeah. I was listening to the album today and uh, listening to Chromatica. And then as soon as I closed out of Spotify, I got a push notification from Postmates that said, save 10 or 15% off your order with password Chromatica. 
Oh. So some cookies <laughs> are being shared. Uh, they know what you're listening to, and then they want you to eat something after you listen to something. Postmates has been partnering with everybody lately. I feel like you can just type in a word and you have like a one in three chance that it's a Postmates code. Yeah, that's true. You're <laughs> going to get a discount if you just type some jargon in there, promo code box. Yeah. Um, and now's the time to do it, I suppose. Yeah, true. Everyone likes to, everyone likes to eat. Yeah, that's kind of creepy, actually, that they are doing that. But also, fifteen percent off is kind of nice too. So yeah. maybe we'll use it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you sponsor it. us, it's Postmates. Still valid. Yeah, this is uh, brought to you by Postmates. It, yes. it is. That's right. Postmates can pay us. <laughs> um, so what else have we been listening to? Uh, I might be taking Chris's. Actually, I'm going to hop in. Um, is it Token or Tekken? T K N. Um, by Tekken. Yeah. Tekken. So. Um, Rosalia, I said that right, right this time. Yes, you did. Rosalia and uh, Travis Scott, and it really meshes together. Stefan, have you listened to that one yet? Yes, it's beautiful. It is yeah. chaotic beautifulness. Uh, in it, to describe it, um, it's kind of like offbeat. It feels, and you're like going, and you're like, whoa, okay. But then mm-hmm. Travis Scott kind of comes in. He fights against the beat, but it works, it and does. just you know those classic, uh, you know ad-libs and everything too um chris this is a lot different though than stuff that she's done right in the past ish yeah i mean the cool thing about what's been happening with rosalia lately is that um she's kind of gone um she's kind of shown her range pretty significantly in the past couple years she started out pure flamenco um moved into kind of hip-hop tinged but still rooted in flamenco and then um, started collaborating with Jay Balvin and um, and moving more into the reggaeton space. Um, then, of course, she did some songs with James Blake and Travis Scott. And, uh, you know, she's she's really um, she, I feel like she has a powerful sound in that it ha- she clearly wears her influences on her sleeve to uh, to a very positive effect. Um which means that, you know, someone like Travis Scott, who usually the Travis Scott sound is such a is such a thing, you know, <laughs> like everyone, you, everyone can tell when Travis when a song is made for Travis Scott. It's and all the reverb. It's well, he yeah, he and he doesn't take this over necessarily. He merges with it. I had mm-hmm. the same sort of feeling about her collaboration with James Blake. And I mean, I think it just speaks to her um, to her kind of input as a musician also um you you asked me this previously and i was wrong this is actually co-produced by rosalia okay so yeah i had asked off air if she doesn't like producing stuff and everything and that i like i was like it seems like she has like a play in it in in more than one way too so um i know that a lot of artists like to have it all and jump into producing everything um as well too um but i think when you work with someone like a james blake or travis scott that has that production background and everything too they do know how to meld stuff together so really awesome and it's one of my favorite songs out right now uh as well too so i know we've been listening to that chris uh stefan have you been listening to anything else besides chromatica and tukin yeah um the band heim i hope i'm pronouncing that right heim um, has released a lot of singles uh, in anticipation of their new album coming out. They have one called I I Know Alone that's very good. 
I think it speaks to a lot of what people are going through during this era of COVID. Um, so highly recommend that one. And then the new 1975 album is very good. Um, I don't think it's as grand as their previous effort, but it's still very good. I think the production's maybe better. Uh, I think they learned oh, a few yeah. things. Um, but Chris, do, do you have any um, thoughts about that album? I mean, honestly, I've been listening to both of those. Um, Heim, uh, Heim's most recent album um, from like 2018, maybe, um, was full of jams. And so I'm extremely excited for their new one. I feel like they've just been getting better and better every everything they put out. Yeah. Um, but 1975 is always an interesting one. I mean, especially with like with a front man like they have uh, like they kind of it. Sometimes you have to you have to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, you but know, if you th- if you there's a lot of parallels between him and Pete Wentz. If you think about I would it, agree. they're outspoken. Um, but I would we'll get into that agree. later. But. <laughs> Actually, it's a very good point. <laughs> but I, I I think the what I like the most about this album uh, by them is just the electronic influence mm-hmm. that they keep bringing in. Yep. Um, the the production that um that they always kind of head toward in in terms of electronic is definitely not what you would expect um you know and very much kind of carving their own space in current um kind of alternative pop um so i mean i know they hate the term pop i don't really know what to call them to be honest but alternative pop sounds relatively right uh maybe just alternative point being they're good i i like that album yeah, I am not a huge 1975 listener personally, but it seems like they have really gotten huge over the past maybe two, three years, like even bigger than I thought they could. I think they're at Walla one the years I went, and I was like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, they're huge now too. I know they're big in the UK, but I think now more and more people are paying attention and they're selling out shows and everything too so um yeah if you guys want to give any of those things a listen go ahead and follow our currently listening playlist we'll update that usually once every one or two weeks on there to uh just try to make sure that we're getting new songs and everything if you guys have anything you're listening to always can drop us stuff on social media email whatnot we can always take a listen and add it to our playlist as well we're always looking for new types of music that we can all listen to and all will enjoy all right, well, as you all know, for legal reasons, we cannot play this song here, but we want you to go listen to wherever you will listen to it most, so Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, all those above. Um, we want you to support the artists and at least get a feel for remembering the song. And on the other side, we will break down into our memories surrounding the song, the history, production, and, of course, the lyrics. And we actually have a couple of twists and turns, so make sure that you guys stick around for that. And we'll see you on the other side. Enjoy some notes that remind you of Thanks for the Memories. All right, now that we are back, we're going to get some first reactions about Thanks for the Memories. Stefan, I will throw it to you first. Give me some of your first memories with this song and maybe just Fall Out Boy in general, too. Yeah, when I listen to Fall Out Boy, I instantly go back to a time around middle school, probably like 7th or 8th grade, when this song came out. Um, And this song, I remember Fall Out Boy had some commercial success, but I think this one is what 
Um, a lot of people in our age group might remember Fallout Boy 4. If you were from a different, you know, four years older than us, four years younger than us, you might remember a different Fallout Boy song. But for people in our age range, you know, uh, 26, 27, 25, it's probably thanks for the memories. And the memories listening to this song are pretty good. For me, it's definitely like skiing or snowboarding on middle school trips. We used to go every week and I would play this song and this ain't a scene. Uh, it's an arms race while I was going down. Um, not a black diamond, but whatever is below that. A blue square, which is, which is intermediate. So um, that's what I remember it for. I can't say I know anything about snowboarding hills or skiing. Well, hills, green, actually, but... you have green, that's the bunny slopes. And then you have the blue square and then the, the black diamonds. Oh, well, the song was needed. Yeah, the song was needed then for those uh, tougher uh, things, I guess. So um, my first memories of the song, um, I know Chris can probably attest to this too, but we were both Chicago suburbs kids growing up. Um and they were very big in the area before they became more mainstream. So, like, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but, like, literally in, like, underground scenes and things like that. Like, I remember them playing the show. Actually, I think it was in Wheaton. And, like, my friends were like, oh, we, I mean, like, we weren't old enough to go, really. But we kind of were when they were first hitting the scene. And then they become huge. But um, thanks for the memories. When I was listening the other day, it is very dramatic but like teeny bop like dramatic if that makes sense but not in a bad way so it was like one of those that you're like oh okay like i'm gonna you know like scream this and be angsty like any teen maybe would be or pre-adolescent too so i think that was one of the things that stuck with me the most is that it's one that you remember like being angsty too but like it still kind of holds the same value to this time and of course, they weren't, you know, angsty teens at the time. They were, you know, adults. Yeah, I mean, the the one of the biggest, like, memories I have of this song and the Infinity on High album, which, I mean, at the time when that came out in, like, 2007 or so, that was, that was my album for, like, for a good couple years, you know? Like, this was definitely the Fall Out Boy album that I, that definitely was around, most for me um i mean from under the cork tree i was moderately into but i i will always have the memory um so i i was uh so i i lived in uh in neighborville illinois um in elementary school and then moved to brussels belgium for a couple years in middle school um and was in belgium for the whole sugar we're going down part of fall boy um i remember discovering them over there realizing they were from you know pretty close to Naperville and I remember one uh so it was December ish of yeah no it was like it was like right around December because it was um I was coming back to visit for the holidays um and see some family and I remember um making my mom go to the Woodfield Mall so that we could go and pick up a <laughs> pick up a copy of Infinity on High but I was I was like no mom we have to get the two disc deluxe version there's a there's a there's a two disc deluxe version and it has bonus tracks and i remember the bonus tracks weren't even that good but we but that's the one i got and um and i played the hell out of that album um thanks for the memories i remember being on a now album not long afterwards um and my sister getting into it and me being like maddie i knew this three months before you you know um like it there there was never this was this was probably their commercial 
their commercial peak, um, one of their more polished albums. There, there's no, there's no way to be a hipster about this sort of music. But you know, when you're, when you're 13, that that's what you do. Um, anyway, I, I, <laughs> this was definitely some formative years type of music. Um, I, I remember, um, I, I do remember just like kind of coming back to this in my teenage years, driving around the city to it. Um, like, uh, when at that point living in, uh, in the suburbs of Minneapolis, um, just one of those songs that always kind of, always kind of gives you that energy. Yeah, I would definitely agree. So yeah, good first reactions. I think we all have around the same, you know, type of reaction to the song and everything uh in between but let's get into some of the breakdown of the song um this week we're doing things a little bit differently i am actually breaking down the culture and history so stefan and i are flip-flopping this week uh which i think is pretty cool um actually um so we're gonna try something different so um i'm gonna give it my best shot here um with everything so let's start where who fallout boy is so we had mentioned it that fallout boy themselves are from a chicago suburb will met specifically so if anyone out there knows where evanston is or you google that that's where northwestern is they are just north of there so northern suburbs type of kids um maybe don't fall into the type of stereotype that you would think for like northern suburb kids um you know usually it's like really ritzy and things they were more into you know you know punk and things like that too so a little different maybe for the area that they were actually in but they were founded in 2001 and like i had said earlier i remember when they were coming up in in their formative years so to speak um when they were you know just getting going in the underground they played a show in wheaton which is one over from where i grew up in lombard um so it's pretty cool that they were from that area in that time and really awesome that they could you know, play those small shows and also come back and do type of things like that too before they became as big as they are today, you know, going on world tours and everything like that. So the band consists of lead vocalist and rhythm guitarist Patrick Stump, bassist Pete Wentz, who might be the most famous person from the entire group, lead guitarist Joe Troman, and the drummer Andy Hurley. So it was actually started by Wentz and Troman as a pop punk side project. So this is something I didn't know, guys. They had their own bands before this, actually. And they came in and they were kind of in the same scene and they knew each other. But then they came through and they said, well, let's make this as our side project, which kind of cool that the side project turns into a huge thing. Often does in these type of things as well. But they said, hey, let's do it and let's start it off. So... They, you know, kind of start up and they go through a different band members and everything to actually had multiple drummers before they actually came to Hurley. Um, and he came on board and that's when they had their debut album, Take This to Your Grave, which ended up being a huge influence for a lot of different groups. So think Panic at the Disco. They actually ended up going on tour of Panic at the Disco at a later time and All American Rejects. So those are two that I kind of think of around this time as well. Are there any other that you could think that maybe they would influence at this time? Oh, yeah, definitely. I remember um, one of the <laughs> one of the other Chicago suburb memories after I'd moved back was um, seeing Fall Out Boy um, the, as like the main headliner for um, for like a series of concerts at Six Flags Great America. And then everyone was like, well, but, you know, the plain white tees are before them and they're free. 
<laughs> yes. So, and I'll get to the plain white tees in a sec as well, too. Actually, with some things. Um, another one I thought of was Hawthorne Heights. Do you remember them? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was I was looking up some of these things. I'm like, oh man, these are bands that did not make it out through uh, everything uh, as well. But uh, they were another you one. You mean y'all didn't go to? Actually, I guess this was this was after graduation and when you weren't living in Columbia anymore, Anthony. But. Uh, right after we graduated from college, Hawthorne Heights did a ten-year album. Um, album I remember show. that show happening <laughs> at, a, <laughs> at a very <laughs> small you know? venue. Now it was Rose. Oh, of course. Even yeah. Uh, yeah, very small. It was like ten dollars a ticket or whatever, and I went for a little bit, and it was a it was a thing. This album had um, Grand Theft Autumn. Where's your boy, right, Chris? No, <laughs> that was oh, uh, that was um, Take This to Your Grave. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so their first album actually that they had made. Um, first, first with an asterisk, but that's a stand discussion. We don't need to get into that. They have a semi-first album, but that's not that album. But this is like their. Yes, first. that is true yeah. as well too. This is their first official release. Essentially, it's not the tapes that they did or anything like that. Yeah, but um, Grand Theft Autumn was on this one. Their first official. Take this to your. Yeah, and then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Fallout Boy is not Fallout Boy yet at this point, though, guys. So um, after creating a short list of names that actually included Fallout Boy, um, which is a fictional character from The Simpsons and Bongo comments, um, friends voted on the name. Uh, the band's second performance was at a Southern Illinois university. Doesn't mention which one it is. And they were with the band called The Killing Tree. Never heard of The Killing Tree, if you guys have out there. Um, I assume it's kind of like a punk, hardcore band type of thing as well um basically uh the person from the killing tree began with Wentz introducing the band of their name stumper called as very long um which i'll get to some of that later uh he didn't say what the band was but it was a very long name um and according to a band member an audience member yelled out and i quote fuck that no you're fallout boy and the band was credited later with that um, because the lead singer of uh, The Killing Tree, uh, the front man, just said, okay, yep, no, this is what you are. So uh, that fan uh, in the audience <laughs> yelled at them that that should be their name. I love that origin story. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, you know, we get all different type of names. We talked about how Coldplay got their name. Uh no one yelled at them and swore at them that that was their name. So I thought that was kind of cool that uh, Fall Out Boy got their name officially uh, through a fan yelling it uh, in that way, too. So the first album is, like I said, um, you know, Underground Smash, uh, kind of getting up and up. Um, and then their first um, uh, after one after that would be from Under the Court Tree. So that would include the hits, of course, Sugar We're Going Down and Dance Dance. Um, everyone knows those songs. Well, I shouldn't say everyone, but most people will know those songs if you have listened to Fall Out Boy or maybe just listened to Top 40 Radio around that time as well. Then after that, they're gaining success. They're getting big. That was a huge commercial success. They are coming to Infinity on High, which is what this album is on. The first uh, single off of that will be The Saint is Seen. It's an arms race. Great song in its own right. And then Thanks for the Memories was the second one off of this one. So... With this sound, it was their transition from punk pop to, I think, regular pop at this point. Um, they actually worked with a producer called Babyface, 
Um, not duh baby or anything or you know bl- <laughs> blue baby. face baby or anything like that little baby uh, this is long ago um, but it is baby face and listen to this list of people that baby face has worked with guys uh, the likes of Aretha Franklin boys to men TLC Tony Braxton Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston and that's just a few actually um, in this one I was gonna say I'd be uh, I'd be I I'm just hearing Babyface compared to the baby is <laughs> yes. genuinely funny to me. Like I just I remember Babyface from a million like um, '90s '90s like R&B hits and whatnot. Um, yes, actually, he should work with the baby. He was like you said, Chris. He was like the R&B kind of like king at this time. I don't know if that's like the official thing, but working with these people, you. It's not a list to sneeze at by any means. So he decides to work on a couple songs on the album uh, with them. And you can kind of see that change in tune. So a lot of, you know, love songs that he's worked on and stuff. Not that this is a love song, but it's more of a like breakup song, if you want to call it that. So pretty cool that they got him on there and he worked with a couple songs uh, on the album. Um, And I'll kind of get to some other things uh, regarding uh, them in future too. Um, then they do an album called Foley Adu, uh, recorded mainly in secret. So this is their album after um, Infinity on High. I'm going to be honest. I didn't remember a lot of songs off of this album personally. Um, I know that maybe Chris and Stefan might have remembered some of the oh, songs yeah. that are on here. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, this is not one that I listen to a lot. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting that they recorded mainly in secret for this one. Um, they actually worked with Babyface a lot on this album as well, too. Um, and it had themes of politics, societal problems, and decaying relationships. Um, kind of what was to come, actually, uh, for them, too. Um, so if you guys remember them, what were some of the big songs off of this uh, album? Uh, I Don't Care was probably their most successful commercial hit, but there were songs on here that I really liked, like What a Catch Donnie. Kind of a, a sign-off to their career at that point, Um you know this album i think it was under a lot of controversy a lot of band conflict and that song includes a lot of um, callbacks to their earlier hits mm-hmm. and that's why you know if you're a fallout boy fan you probably like that song a lot because um you'll hear a medley of a lot of different callbacks choruses from their um, earlier songs mm-hmm. i think um in that and then um there were what God, I can't remember what the long name of the song is, but Head First Sliding to Cooperstown uh, is the name. Yep, <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, that song's great. Pete Wentz and his song names. Um, uh, Disloyal Order of Water Buffaloes, also Water a great Buffalo, one. Yes. America's Sweethearts was a um, was definitely kind of a underrated one, in my opinion. And then one of my, um, one of my all-time favorite not fall boy songs necessarily but just things that occurred which is the lil wayne feature tiffany blues um that that song was right on the cusp of lil wayne deciding that he wanted to do a rock album and i definitely think was at least in part to blame for how that turned out let it rock chris (laughs) let it rock yeah um and then, uh, and then one of the what I think is one of the best uh, Fall Boy songs, the Shipped Gold Standard. Oh, that is a, yes. We'll get Classic to that later, song. but that's up there. 
Okay, well, now I feel really dumb for not listening. And it's I'm a good album. Go it's listen. worth it. Uh, I think if yes. you're like a Fall Out Boy fan, you yeah. definitely like that album. But if you're like a casual fan or you know them from the radio, you don't know a lot about that. I would right. I would also go as far as to say that if you are a younger uh, fan of Fall Out Boy and someone who maybe got more into them in their poppier stuff in the past like five years or so, that is a good bridge to their previous work. Yeah, so I know I'm going to go check it out. So you all out there, if you haven't checked it out, go do that as well too because this is the end of the first half of what was Fallout Boy um, and what we had talked about of everything because guess what? They go on a five-year hiatus. So I had mentioned that too, that you know the album itself was about to gain relationships. Well, yeah, then you get them taking time for themselves, doing side projects and everything as well on there. And then though, five years later, they come back with the album Save Rock and Roll. Chris and Stefan, you guys saw them on their tour for this one, didn't you guys? Damn right we did. Yeah. Okay, I thought so. Um, <laughs> so, one, I was pissed when I remember that because I'm like, why the hell didn't I go with you guys? Like, that would have been a very easy thing for me to do. If um, you were in Minneapolis, you could have gone. But I thought it, we were all there this summer and you guys drove up. Yeah. I don't know. I think I remember. I think I do remember that being how that happened because we went up. Um, so the, shout out Jack John, um, our buddy Jack. Yes. Uh, who is one, probably the bigger Fall Out Boy of all the three of us? Um, we all we all went and got tickets and uh, saw them in what I think is probably one of the best possible times to have seen them <laughs> if you weren't going to see them pre hiatus. So, um, yeah. So I wanted to shout you guys out for going to that tour because I know that was a big one that they were selling out pretty much everything and like everyone was like, "Holy shit, Fall Out Boy is back." Um, that one was as rad. well too. Maybe if they weren't quite at what they were before, mm-hmm. but still knowing that they're going to play all their old stuff at that point too was probably a pretty cool experience. I really appreciated that they did the small venue tour first, and then the stadiums in the fall. Um, we got to see them in the small venue tour, sold out like ridiculously quickly. I remember, yes. but it was like this was a this was a pretty like probably a mid sized venue at best. I mean, you don't you don't yeah. get to see a band of with that much influence over your childhood in especially like one that had that much pop success in a venue like that every day. And I think, Chris, we were like maybe 20, 19 or 20 at the time. Mm-hmm. I remember this is one of the first times I felt like, am I old? Yeah, because there were a lot of teeny yeah. boppers, like 15 <laughs> year olds. And, and it was just a weird sensation to hear a band like you listen to since middle school. And then you're seeing people that age listening to them. I mean, that feeling has only grown and grown since we've became old farts. Oh, God, um, yeah. But this was maybe one of the first instances of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that you now that you remember that, yeah, that was probably one of the... That was probably the start of many. I um, What that just reminded me of was being at the Billie Eilish set at Austin City Limits this past year and having to leave because... In the crowd, we couldn't hear her as well as we could in the far back outside of the crowd because the crowd. Well, she was sings screaming. really quiet. The crowd like, was screaming was so loud that we that we had to like move back to the back speakers. <laughs> yeah, so um, we're old. Glad that you guys had to see them on tour because uh, yeah, I wish I would have uh, at that point. I'll get to that in a second as well too because we might have been planning to um on there so stay tuned for that um so you know they they have save rock and roll and then they have american beauty slash american psycho 
and then Mania. So I'm not going to talk a lot about their newish stuff. If you listen to the radio, you know that some of their stuff's on the radio. So, you know, commercially from that sense, they're doing okay, but not the same uh, post-hiatus. But still, all in all, good that they got back together, I think, personally, um, for the sake of, you know, our nostalgia um, in that way. But let's get to some of the legacy regarding this song so like i said earlier it's the second single from the album um this ain't a scene it's an arms race was the first i think it was a good call to do it back to back like that um as much as i like this song i think that this ain't a scene is a better song um in many many facets um that might be a hot take for some people but i think that it is um chris had mentioned earlier off air that Kanye did a remix to it too and I thought I hadn't heard it before and I did and I just forgot um that's also pretty hilarious to listen to in a weird time uh, for everyone around 2007 um as well um to no one's surprise the lyrics for this song were by Pete Wentz um for someone that doesn't sing Pete Wentz writes a lot of great stuff actually so um really awesome that he got to to write that uh, and the title itself um if you you know look at it has no vowels um so you know there's no vowels in it for thanks for the memories um the reason that they did this actually was that to no one's surprise um fallout boy has a lot of long titles for songs (laughs) um so you look at all this uh or like you even look back at him saying hey this was too long of a of a group name you know at that time too um they actually poked some like Fun and were being facetious to their uh, record label um, by shortening the song's uh, length of the uh, song itself, uh, the title. I thought that was a pretty funny way to actually shorten it. Um, and it's kind of unique, um, pretty good for SEO purposes. Not that they were doing that uh, back in the old days uh, as well, uh, but, but kind of cool now. Yeah, maybe they did think it through. <laughs> awesome. um, but it is one of those things that they look at. Um, appeared in video games. Guitar Hero, another one called Band Hero. Um, that kind of sounds fake to me. I don't know if that's a real band thing. Hero. I, I don't remember Band Hero. I know Rock Band was a thing yeah. and Guitar Hero. That just kind of sounds like I remember Band combined. Hero. That was a, uh, that was a child of Rock Band and Guitar Hero. <laughs> yeah, that was very, very much a like, okay, this whole genre has jumped the shark. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so Band Hero, no, but like it was in Guitar Hero 5. Um, so, I mean... Still a good nod to them uh, in that way to have that in. Um, regarding the music video, uh, we talked a little about this. Great music video if you guys go and watch it. Um, Kim Kardashian is in the music video. I did not know that she was in this video, actually. I didn't think about it. Um, she was just getting bigger and bigger at this time, too. Um, but imagine getting Kim Kardashian for a music video now, and you're not Kanye getting her in the music video you know because they're married but that would be a huge get nowadays so pretty you know cool looking back at it that they got her i guess in that way before she got super big um cool video monkeys in it uh kim kardashian uh, chaos uh it's pretty cool um to check that out um one of the things too um that i thought about this is the album itself is a turn to all pop um, and I think that this song itself might be the thing that pushed them into pop entirely. And I didn't know your guys' thoughts on that because they were, you know, kind of still doing that fine line of punk, pop, you know, hardcore type things. But this might have been the song that cemented them in pop. 
Yeah, I guess um, you could say that this along with this ain't a scene, I think this ain't a scene is more like hip hoppy, mm-hmm. and that's kind of showing that they're going to embrace the sound at the time. Um, but this song is certainly much more pop than anything on From Under the Cork Tree, um, which in itself was kind of one step closer to pop from their previous efforts. And then, like you said, um, Infinity on High is just diving straight in. So I think you could, you know, make a claim that this album and the first two singles are that dive into the genre. Yeah, I mean, there's a Jay-Z feature on this album, too. Um, they end up working with Pharrell, actually, um, in their album after this, too. So maybe they were, like, they knew. Um, we mentioned with Coldplay, you got to do something sometimes to stay relevant. So maybe they knew that they had to go into <clears throat> that way um, as well with everything. Um one of the other things that I think about with this is the tours that they went on regarding this album. So 2007, they went on the Honda Civic Tour. Um, the tour was with Plus 44, Cobra Starship, The Academy Is, dot, 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 and Paul Wall. <laughs> I remember... Uh, Paul Wall was on tour with Fall Out Boy. I, that was, I remember like seeing, uh, um, seeing ads for that tour. And looking up Paul Wall and being like, "Oh, cool, hip hop." Like, I don't, I don't know him. I'm a, I'm a young, I'm a young lad. I'm not educated. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, in like several years on, it only really clicked when you mentioned that again. How just strange that is. So Paul Wall was already on Grills at this time, and yeah. two years before, in 2005, and like had been around, but. He was on tour with Fall Out Boy as a supporting artist. So I thought that that was interesting. And then they actually headlined a international arena tour called the Young Wild Things Tour that had, listen to this one, Gym Class Heroes, Plain White Tees, who we talked about, and Cute is What We Aim For. Oh, I remember Cute is What We Aim For. These are like, what the hell is going on? Like, you think (laughs) about these and you're like, oh my God, like, I I forgot about some of these bands or holy cow, like... They're all the same, you know, around this time. That one makes a little bit more sense to me than the, than the other one, maybe, with what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things I want to talk about, too, was they were supposed to go on tour this summer with Green Day and Weezer. And we were actually talking oh about going yeah. um, on this tour. Um, they were doing it like, all the baseball stadiums. So I thought that yeah. that would have been a fun one. Awesome. I like Green Day. I like Weezer. And I like, I mean, makes sense. But a bummer that that got canceled. So maybe that'll mm-hmm. get, you know postponed to the future and we can go see them um as well but pretty cool and then the last thing i want to say about you know legacy and everything too was to my surprise this song was actually barely outside the top 10 um so it did not it was not a top 10 hit for them it was 11 Mm -hmm. which is actually a little bit different than what we're doing for some of our songs um so you know Number 11, it was nine spots lower than This Ain't a Scene, um, too, off the same album. So, found this kind of surprising. Didn't know your guys' thoughts on the it being not a top 10 hit. In hindsight, that does uh, that is surprising. I do remember at the time, like, it was... Because this is definitely um, pre-peak of digital download. Like, radio was still a big... Um, a big component of chart success and I remember it being weird that this ain't a scene peaked as high as it did it was because of digital downloads Um, it wasn't really released it was released in a more modern fashion 
um, for the time of just dropping a single along with a pre-order of the album. Thanks for the Memories was more of a traditional album track, gets a release date, sent to radio, promo from there on. Um, so it definitely had, you know, a bit more of a hill to climb, but it clearly had the um, the longevity. I would have, I would definitely have thought just based on how much I heard it back in the day that this was a top 10 hit. Same. Yeah, yeah I think to your point, um, this maybe had more radio play than this ain't a scene. Um, and maybe that's why we think it's a higher charting song and that's what people remember off this album. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I like both songs. Arguably, this ain't a scene a bit more, but this one definitely got more radio play and I think was maybe a bit more accessible despite not having the digital downloads. Yeah, I mean, I think that was it. I think that's what I read was that it did... It was the opposite of what happened with it in a scene, whether that was, you know, more downloads, less radio play, more radio play, less downloads, one of those things too. So a um, little bit different at the time, but still pretty surprising to me that that wasn't it. Um, and then the last thing I'll kind of wrap up with the uh, history and culture of this was, um, wasn't their most commercially popular song, but in the catalog of their discography i think it was one of them that might be their best if not their best in my opinion um and was one of those things that really was the bridge to a lot of things uh as well too all right well now that i have broken down the uh history a little bit different saying at that time Mm -hmm. uh as well let's get to some of the production and everything surrounding the song so chris take it away with everything that's going on with fallout boy yeah so um, you know, we did talk about Babyface um a little bit before. The fact that Babyface produced this song is, you know, it can't be understated as the importance. Um, you know, we also kind of spoke about how this was um this was at a period in their career where they'd had they'd had the sugar were going down, top ten breakthrough, dance dance kind of cemented them as radio um, you know radio ready for the time i mean it's kind of funny to think about that but yeah in 06 this was like you know like line drive down the middle of radio sound <laughs> um what's uh what was it what was interesting here is that so this ain't a an arms race i think also was both a departure but also a very a very blunt statement it was okay. We're a rock band, and it's almost ironic that we're putting the entire first uh, first verse over hip hop drums. Um, it was it was very much designed uh, to kind of emphasize contrast and designed to say, "Guess what, guys? We're big now. This is uh, you know, we're we're kind of we're kind of being punk rock about punk rock." Um, what ended up, uh, it, it also, it, you know, bears mention that at the time, even Fall Boy has never really, um, they've always kind of been just a hair too far in the pop direction for the scene that they were um, in, most inspired by. Um, I mean, even at the time, it was always like, you know, they were pop punk um, and pop punk didn't necessarily have the same connotation as punk rock. So this is them saying, OK, guess what, guys, like you know, we could, uh, we have a choice. We could either really lean into, um, into our like original lane, kind of shy away from the charts and, you know, 
try to prove ourselves uh, in the eyes of people who've never really given us the time of day. Or we could just say, screw it, we're just going to be, we're, this is Fall Out Boy. Like, we're going to shine ourselves up, and that's what they did. Um, so, the same scene in Arms Race was the big middle finger, kind of, to the um, the scene that they came from, um, in a lot of ways. But also, um, also kind of the celebration lap for pop success. And Thanks for the Memories was, okay, cool. Like, big kind of shock opener is is over this is this is the new polished version of our sound so compositionally pretty um pretty interesting uh in terms of influence you have the strings um and the kind of the vocal doubling that happens underneath patrick stump's vocals um throughout his um he's always described his vocals as gospel influenced um and it really it really kind of shines through here um he harmonizes with himself not unlike a a choir might um and you know they kind of the their work with babyface really allowed them to get some hip hop influences and r&b influences into their music without necessarily um kind of bluntly appropriating um it it was very much it was very much kind of all right let's let's bring in the cinematic feel let's bring in the um let's bring in the dynamics um the song the way that the songs mixed actually i remember listening back and being kind of not surprised necessarily but just noting how much it it is mixed kind of like a hip-hop song especially of the time um everything's much less kind of condensed um in comparison to even Paul Boy's most recent album um it's you know they it's it's overall just a more polished sound now um Babyface is an incredible musician um looking this up uh before re- before uh doing this episode I didn't realize but he played the mandolin in the um in the breakdown of the song um when uh when everything cuts out and it's it sounds like it would be a sample to me i always thought it was kind of a like surf rock type sample nope that's babyface playing the mandolin so i mean you know he you can tell he had some fun with this as well um he uh he apparently also helped orchestrate the strings um and just very much uh just very much kind of allowed them to expand their sound and that's really what I think the production here most speaks to is just being expansive. Um, the it's interesting because the strings in the um, in the verses see you don't necessarily think of strings and orchestral sound as quieter than guitars. You know, um, you might you might think of it as adjacent, like a different kind of um crescendo almost but the way that they're using this song the strings are almost building tension building tension kind of holding back before the chorus explodes so it is putting a um it is kind of putting the spotlight on their their standard drop d tuning like kind of punk rock power chords uh sound but it's it's doing so in a really creative way um i would uh i would think that 
in the years to come from this bands like all american rejects in in a couple of ways production wise mainly the you know we take some we take some more traditional instrumentation in the verse to build tension to explode into a pop punk uh guitar style chorus um i would think that directly could have influenced gives you hell um and beyond that i think this kind of laid the blueprint for a number of bands who were kind of trying to transition from the um, from the mid two thousands radio rock into the early two thousand early twenty tens sound um, for better or Maybe worse. Maybe all of Panic at the Discos later half of their career. Uh, honestly, Yuri's career really. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, Brendan Yuri's career. Um, the that although i some would argue that that one took a little bit more from uh from this scenes and arms race for better or worse oh for sure yeah. <laughs> just the, actually that's a good point the bluntly the bluntly hip-hop but yeah no exactly like the thing about um the thing about thanks for the memories is it it's it, it is deceptively um it's deceptively complex um the especially that breakdown which on paper does not seem like it should work <laughs> we're we're definitely coming at this from a standpoint after a decade where the bridge in a song has largely disappeared um but they i thought that they really did a great job of kind of again like using using the bridge with an instrumental variation um a little bit of melodic variation but largely keeping the same chords leading into um kind of their anthemic hand clap style uh to build back into the chorus you know that's a callback to hunt to the rock bands before them um in a lot of ways like you know they're kind of thumbing their nose at what um traditionalists might uh might be asking for from them but at the same time they're they're pretty reverent to the people that came before them you know it's I uh and actually this is not necessarily a band that is that achieved enormous commercial success but um Twin Peaks uh always reminds me of this era of Fall Boy um just kind of in how they take garage rock but don't limit it um almost I guess limit might yeah, not be the wrong we word. We saw them, right Chris in in Columbia at Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah, they were uh Yeah, they were incredible. Twin Peaks are Twin Peaks are a wonderful live show, but on their on all their albums, I'm always struck by. I, I think "limited" is the wrong word, but they don't box their sound necessarily into what punk rock seems to be. They take gen, they take genuine appreciation for a more um, a more expansive and theatrical uh, version of rock, and I think that's I think that this was kind of a harboring. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that word right now. This this was a uh, this was a good signal for the future of what rock would become past its commercial uh, lifetime. Chris, one question about that bridge when we talk about mm-hmm. thinking outside the box in terms of rock, it kind of has uh, a mariachi feel to it. Yeah. Um, what instrumental choices led to that mariachi sound? So I'm really, honestly, I'm not sure why. Again, like there's no, that really should not work on paper. But it does. <laughs> but it does. Um, I, uh, so again, I mean, what I, what I think is cool about this is 
one of the only like definitive things that I found about the production, like interview wise, uh, about this song was that Babyface takes credit for playing the mandolin. Um, and I think that kind of <laughs> speaks to, you know, you can tell that these guys are having fun with this. Um, I, I would imagine because, yeah, it's almost mariachi. You kind of get the whole like smoky club feeling out of it. Yeah. Um, sultry. Yeah, definitely sexy. sultry. Um, <laughs> again, does not seem like it would make sense on paper. I mean, you can imagine someone listening to uh, listening to even Sugar We're Going Down and then immediately going to this and being pretty <laughs> thrown off. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of speaks to they were definitely they were a group of guys who who had, you know, hit that um, hit that rocket to the to the stars that so many bands do after their breakthrough and. You know, they're making the most of their um, they're making the most of the money that they have to get all this live instrumentation and uh, studio players and whatnot. But I think still kind of treating it as a band environment. They I mean, I know um, and this isn't necessarily babyface, but I would just the fact that he played a live instrument on this as as cool as the mandolin. Uh, combined with also what I know Pharrell has spoken about when he worked with them on Folia Adieu, um, is that they they treat their collaborators just as a, a fifth member of the band at the time. You know, you just come in, see what uh, kind of see what they see what they can bring to the table, see what sound works, and I can just imagine them like kind of brainstorming, maybe Babyface calling in a favor or two, um, just saying you know. Let's let's give this a shot. Um, I think, uh, and I'm not going to jump too far into the lyric aspect of this yet, but um, it, I think it definitely, uh, I think they definitely were trying to drive home the drama of this relationship disintegrating <laughs> uh, from yeah. an audio standpoint. And um, so they probably were like, how, just how dramatic can we make this? They probably still had a bit of that rebel streak of like, how much can we how much can we just like break out of the box only to jump right back into drop D power chords in the chorus? Um, so, I mean, honestly, like the, the best way I could see this having occurred would just be them having fun. And having fun is genuine and being genuine generally uh, creates good music. So, yeah, solid theory. Yeah, I mean. I will say that this is not the same sort of compositional attitude that I would attribute to their later work. Um, no, not at all. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> without without ragging too hard on that, I think this was definitely a sweet spot in their career where they had the resources, they had the attention, and they still had the hunger and just kind of the creative energy to say, we're... We're going to throw a mandolin breakdown and uh, orchestral strings and work with Babyface on the second single from our, you know, follow up album to our commercial breakthrough. So, again, ridiculous on paper, but it works. Great. Thank you for that breakdown, Chris, of the production. And now we are going to turn to Ryan for the breakdown on the lyrics. So take it away. 
Thank you. Yeah, I'm interested to do this part, so forgive any um, things I miss. I know you guys are used to Anthony, but we love you still. We just wanted to switch things up. We might go back. We might keep switching it up. We like to keep things fresh. Um, so anyway, if you're going to talk about the lyrics of Fall Out Boy, I mean, it's Pete Wentz. And this is kind of unorthodox in which you have the bassist of the band writing most of the lyrics. And he's really acts as the front man, the PR person. He's really outspoken. He's in the tabloids, whether it be with his uh, romantic partners like Ashley Simpson um, instead of Patrick Stump, who is actually the lead vocalist. So a bit of unorthodox practice there with a rock band where you have your bassist being the front man and writing the lyrics. And um, when it comes to his lyrics, his style is really opaque and odd. Um, there's double, even triple entendres everywhere. And... Um, Thanks for the Memories is another case of that. Um, on its surface, it's clearly about two sexually charged lovers that kind of resent each other. Um, they want to keep going, but something has happened where they kind of resent it. Um, but apart from that, if you look a little um, into the lyrics and you watch the music video, you could see that the double meaning might actually be um, the relationship with fame and the recording label. And I'll dive into that a little bit uh, going through the verses in the chorus so uh with the verse first one we start out i'm gonna pick this one uh say a prayer but let the good times roll in case god doesn't show basically this is the theme for the whole song you're playing with danger here you're hoping for the best but you know you're playing with a dangerous situation whether that's with an ex-lover or otherwise um, if you have experience with that as some of us may when you roll the dice with an ex-lover, some flames catch and um, some hearts get broken. Speaking of ex-lovers, we have an ex-friend mention um, with the line, who does he think he is? If that's the worst you've got, you better put your fingers back to the keys. Now this, there's some tea here from 2006. Oh, yes. And if you think about 2006, where did you put the tea? It wasn't necessarily on Facebook or Twitter. It was on a thing called LiveJournal. Or MySpace. Or MySpace. And um, in this case, it was Live Journal, and we have a guy named Chris Gutierrez, who was kind of a stan. Um, he was actually in um, a crew with Pete Wentz. They were in a band called Arma Angelus. I might be pronouncing that wrong. Um, but after that fell apart and Fall Out Boy came to fame, he was pretty much like the number one groupie of Fall Out Boy. And uh, there was a falling out between him and Pete. Apparently, an ex lover was involved. And on Live Journal, he typed in like a scathing uh, review of Pete Wentz. He said, who does he think he is? So the line, who does he think he is? If that's the worst you've got, better put your fingers back to the keys. Is Pete Wentz kind of saying, is that the worst you got? Keep typing. And uh, there would be a lot of back and forth. We'll post the link in here about the whole Live Journal thing. I, don't, I haven't used Live Journal in a decade, kind of forgot about it. But it was the place to put your tea back in the day. I love that Pete Wentz doesn't sing it, but he writes it. But it's someone else that's, that's saying He's using that. Patrick Stump yeah. as his vehicle. Yeah, and I love Patrick it. Patrick Stump is a pure little cheruby guy, uh, kind of chubby, kind of ginger, but with a golden voice. So if you're going to have a vehicle for your tea, use Patrick Stump. They've got a they've got an incredible like writer singer dynamic. Yeah, and it's so unorthodox because they're two totally different people. Patrick Stump's very introverted, but he's singing all the songs. Pete Wentz is diving into the tabloids, getting in trouble, uh, but he's behind the scenes. So that's what makes Fall Out Boy so appealing, in my opinion. 
Um, so then going to the chorus of the song, it's a very chorus-driven song. You guys know it. One night, one more time, thanks for the memories, even though they weren't so great. Uh, so this part, it's on paper, it's very much about, um, if you think about it, one night stand, one night and one more time, thanks for the memories. We had a good time, but I'm not going back because it wasn't so great. Pete Wentz actually says, you could take this about FOMO, the fear of missing out. Uh, he likens it to Coachella. It looks really cool when you're experiencing it digitally, but when you're there, it's dusty, crowded. It's not so great. Uh, what the song is known for best is the line, he tastes like you, only sweeter. Uh, this line is actually from a movie in 2004 called Closer, uh, starring Julia Roberts, and she delivers the line in the movie. It's very explicit, the scene. Um, they're talking about, it's uh, an ex-boyfriend and an ex-girlfriend talking. Uh, the ex-girlfriend, Julia Roberts, discloses that she's uh, met a new man, had a sexual encounter. The guy says, how did it go? And he said, he tastes like you, only sweeter. Um, I'm not going to say exactly what she says because it's <laughs> explicit, but we'll post the link uh, to the scene and you can draw your own conclusions. But uh, Pete Wentz was a fan of Julia Roberts. This song came out a few years after the movie Closer, uh, so he included that in there. Now we have the second verse. Um, Pete Wentz starts looking forward. Been looking forward to the future, but my eyesight is going bad. And this crystal ball. It's always cloudy except for when you look into the past. This is fairly um, straightforward. Um, hindsight is twenty twenty. Anything looking forward is going to be um, cloudy. So he's saying when he's an old man, it's going to be cloudy. When you apply this to the lens of um, maybe a hookup with an ex-lover, looking back is sweet. You're thinking of all the good times, but then the complications with um, getting back lead to um, bad things. And when you apply this to the lens of fame, which it can be uh, the same thing here, you're looking back, there's a lot of pop hits. Uh, we need to change our sound. We need to accept pop. How is this going to go? It's cloudy. So this was kind of um, a harbinger. I think that's the word Chris was trying to use before. That's the one. Um, to what Fall Out Boy would eventually experience. So then we have another chorus. And then we have the bridge, which uh, we discuss in the production. It's mariachi. It's a switch up. And uh, the lyrics are also kind of a switch up here. He says, they say I only think in the form of crunching numbers. So you could take this. It's analytical. It's calculated. Um, if you're trying to get with a lover, you're trying to determine what's going to work, what's not. If you're thinking about a record label perspective, as the double entendre of the song could suggest, uh, chart success. And then uh, the second line, in hotel rooms, collecting page six lovers. Now, I, did, I totally did not hear that line when I listened to the song. Once I looked at the lyrics and I saw page six, it blew my mind. I thought it was collecting patience from lovers. But no, page six is uh, in the New York Post, um, typically reserved for gossip about celebrities. And uh, as I previously discussed with Pete Wentz, he was often in the gossip due to his relationship with Ashley Simpson. So this is a nod to that kind of um, self-deprecating take about his lust for fame. Next line, get me out of my mind and get you out of those clothes. I'm a liner away from getting you into the mood. Again, if you take this um, in the experience of a sexual encounter, it makes sense. But Pete Wentz actually said this is not a double entendre, but a triple entendre. 
So liner um, could be a clever one-liner. You're trying to sway your sweetie by telling her a fun joke. That's one version. Second version, um, he said it's a canned liner for radio press. When bands um, do their bits on uh, radio stations, they often have something scripted for them from the record label. And then the third one is a drug reference. I'm a liner away from getting you into the mood. Um, a line could be taken as a drug, probably cocaine. I wouldn't know. Um, honestly, when I heard this line, I always thought it was, I'm a lighter away from you, from getting you into the mood. And I thought he was taking a lighter to some candles. So that was probably the or most innocent. Or something recreational. Or something, yeah, another drug reference. Uh, would that be marijuana? I'm not sure. Again, I wouldn't know. 4.5 on Tondra. If it's Pete Wentz, you're getting entendres. And not just two, but Entendre King. Um, So then Pete Wentz, this is maybe their most chorus-driven song. It repeats twice. Um, One night, yeah, one more time. Thanks for the memories. Thanks for the memories. So I think um, if we look at all of Fall Out Boy's lyrical history, this song's maybe one of the most simple. A lot of them reference odd animal species like horseshoe crabs and water buffaloes. But here, um, I think if you're making a pop song, he does a good job at making it fairly accessible, but making some nods to some personal drama with um, former best friends and his record label. Awesome. Great breakdown of the lyrics, Stefan. Maybe we'll maybe we'll switch it up more often, too. It was great. Thank you. And if you think I'm wrong, please roast me. I'm open to all feedback. <laughs> I, I thought that was good uh, with everything. So let's get into some segments. Um we're breaking this one out again. Uh, we kind of had to. Uh, we're going to do the top five Fall Out Boy songs from us. So I will start with this one, actually. I wrote my list already. Um, I'll start from five to one. Uh, number five for me will be a little less 16 Candles, a little more Touch Me. Mm-hmm. Um, that song is very underrated, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it's great video, well, too. It's yes. like a really long video. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Vampires. It is very classic. long video. Um, but, yeah, it, it has a great song. Um, number four would be This Ain't a Scene. It's an arms race. Um, Chris mentioned it. Maybe it's my love of hip-hop that makes me love that song so much, too. Um, but it is those hip-hop drums and everything else uh, with it, too. Um, and the Kanye West remixes pretty funny uh not bad either but but uh pretty funny lyrics actually um and i think he says something like you know my nuts hang out but fallout boy had to get skinny <laughs> jeans to keep theirs in or so i was really listening to yep. it. i'm like this is ridiculously funny uh, <laughs> as well too um number three uh sugar we're going down um maybe the first big fallout boy hit um i think that's one that everyone will know great karaoke song too so if you ever want to do karaoke, oh, yeah. that's a great oh, yeah. karaoke song. Um, two for me will be Thanks for the Memories. Um, speaks for itself. We've talked the whole episode about it. And then my number one Fall Out Boy song will be Dance Dance. Um, that has been, I think, my favorite one since it was released. Um, that song is chaos in a great way. <laughs> it is a um, great song. And I think it's just like, you know, from start to finish, you're like, holy shit, this is, uh, this is amazing. Uh, and um i know chris could probably talk a little production wise a little bit better but it is like just you know this isn't a technical way but it's just like drum chaos and everything and you're like holy shit this is amazing uh on there so that will be my five through one 
Um, let's throw it to Chris next for his uh, top five. Yeah, so um, number five, probably shipped gold standard from Folia Do. Um, I am trying to um, I'm trying to decide, but I believe I'm gonna go with Thriller from Infinity on High as number four because uh, a cover, not cover. It's just the name. Oh, I'm thinking of Beat It. My bad. Yeah, My you're bad. Good. But they do like uh, they do like MJ. It's um, they do. But, they they uh, did cover Beat It. Yeah, the with John but, Mayer, right? Yes. Yeah, thr- yeah, with John Mayer. Yeah, jeez, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, Thriller. Thriller is an incredible intro. Uh, when the drums come in, that just gets me going. Um, I'm I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna say Dance Dance for number three. Um, that's, that's definitely a favorite of mine. Um, and then I also, uh, I'm going to say bang the doldrums. No, I'm not. Damn it. It's a good song though. It's either going to be bang the doldrums or carpal tunnel of love, both of which are like back to back on the album. And I always kind of associate them with each other, but those two both actually probably carpal tunnel of love is the one I'm going to go with. That one's just always been a favorite of mine. And then my number one is a little less 16 candles, a little more touch me, which is one of my favorite fall boy, um, fall boy memories is, uh, when that song was pretty big at the time I was first getting into them. And my, um, my dad, um, (laughs) my dad was like, Chris, I need to, I need to read the lyrics of some of these songs you've been listening to because I kept hearing swears because I've been listening to, um, I've been listening uh, to a couple of uh now albums including the one that had lean back on it um but anyway the, um so i just i have a memory of my dad sitting and reciting the lyrics to um <laughs> to a little less 16 candles a little more touch me <laughs> with just pure confusion because they're not necessarily explicit they just don't make any goddamn sense if you are a boomer so anyway i uh that is that is definitely my favorite um yeah, I I also just remembered Hum Hallelujah. God damn it. They have a good they have a really good discography. <laughs> Hard sometimes, yeah, yeah, to get them in. So awesome. Uh Stefan, give us your top five Fall Out Boy songs. Yeah, if you ask me this question tomorrow, I'll give you a different top five. Um number five I'll go with uh, speaking of long song names, which you mentioned the record label was mad at them for. <laughs> Our lawyer made us change the name of this song so we wouldn't get sued. That's a good um song. If you have a boo, play it for them. They'll love it. It's very probably the sweetest Fall Out Boy song. Um, number four, This Ain't a Scene. That's probably my favorite from this album, Infinity on High. Um, yep, you mentioned if you're a lover of hip-hop, you'll like it. Uh, number three, I mentioned earlier What a Catch, Donnie. Um, or What a Catch. And then um, if you listen to this song... When uh, it gets to the point of the medley where they're calling back the choruses of all their songs, it's actually sung by different friends of theirs, whether that's Panic at the Disco's Brendan Urie. I think Elton John's on there. Elvis uh, Costello. Uh, Elvis Costello. There. Yes. Uh, maybe not. Was it Elton John or was it? I don't remember. Um, it's Elvis Costello. I remember um, I remember finding out who Travi McCoy was from that. Um, yep. Cause... Travi McCoy, otherwise known as Travis McCoy um, of Gym Class Heroes and solo fame a lot of big names on there uh number two chris mentioned this one shipped gold standard really great maybe the best um 
showcase of Pete Wentz lyrics, in my opinion. And then number one off their first major album, uh, Grand Theft Autumn, Where's Your Boy Tonight? I think this calls back a lot of young Fall Out Boy energy. Yeah. Um, it's really classic. It doesn't, it sounds totally different from their new stuff, um, but you definitely hear this sound in their first three albums. That song just reminded me, that song is amazing. And then also Chicago is so two years ago. Just, oh yeah. that's. An, I mean, God. it's hard to limit to top five. <laughs> if you ask us tomorrow, it's going to be It's going to change, yeah. Absolutely. So that's the mark of a good uh, of a good discography for the first half of their career. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. None of us had any for their second half of their uh, their post high. Oh, I wonder why. Yeah. Oh, it's very strange. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Um, now we're going to get into our signature segment here, and that will be the top ten back then. The top ten back then the top 10 back then today will be presented to you by me actually so we're switching it up again um maybe i'm getting jealous of stefan doing it because it's so fun uh as well too um but i will be breaking down this one this week uh this will be from july 7th 2007 boys so does anyone want to give a guess at what the number one song in America on the Billboard was for this week? Number number one in two thousand seven, July seventh, two thousand seven. Maybe stronger by Kanye. I I keep thinking Lil Wayne, but I want to say that was two thousand eight Lollipop, right? Yeah, that was two thousand eight. Yeah. Shoot. I, I want to say Lil Wayne. I'm not going to lie. 2007 is a weird blind spot for me. And I don't know why. It is. This is actually a great top 10, though, too. So, um, I'm sure neither you were right. It was Umbrella, Rihanna featuring Jay Z. Yes. That was the number one song in America. <laughs> Huge song. Um, I'm that sure we, we will break that down to, maybe at one point. But yeah, that we got to get back to Rihanna in some way. Yeah, absolutely. She'll be coming up again uh, as well, too. So that was the number one song in America, and I'll run through the next ones. Number two, a personal favorite of mine, uh, Party Like a Rock Star by the Shop Boys. Um, (laughs) Song I want to break down, too. I love that song. For no reason do I love that song, but I do. I actually listened to it yesterday. Um, I get stuck in my head constantly. There there are lyrics of that song that pop into my head for no reason, and it's probably because of you. It probably is actually uh, on there. Uh, number three, "Big Girls Don't Cry" by Fergie. Ooh, another artist we need to. I think this album yeah. is one of the best of the decade. The Duchess. Wow. Okay. Yeah, the Duchess. Yeah. It has so many top hits. Uh, I'm really Lindsay. sad that her solo career didn't. Yeah, "London Bridge," "Glamorous" with Ludacris. Um, mm-hmm. We need to cover Fergie. At some yeah, we'll point. we'll get to her as well. Yes, we will. So that was number three. Number four, a, a band that we talked about actually uh, during this episode, Hey There Delilah by the Plain White Tees. Oh, fresh off number one, I bet. It was rising at this point, it looked like. It okay. moved up a spot from fives to four, so it might have been moving up actually as well. Um, the song after that that moved down to number five, Buy you a drink, Shorty Snappin', uh, by T Pain featuring Young Jock. Another great song, um, on there too. Um, number six, Makes Me Wonder by Maroon Five. Oh. oh boy, that's uh, yeah, I think we mentioned on the Viva La Vida episode that's maybe Maroon's five last tinge of rock in there. 
yeah. discography. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that album was pretty decent. It's no uh, songs about Jane, but that, that there was a, a harsh turn to pop after that. Yeah. Yes, it was, and it's sad that on the website there. You know, picture now is there all the new people or Adam and the Levine. So uh, it wasn't even the old uh, group uh, at all, too. Um, Number seven, someone that I want to cover in the near future as well, too. Girlfriend by Avril Levine. Oh, yeah. I forgot that was a genuine hit. I thought this was like, I, I remember this from homecoming in high school. So to hear it in 2007 is odd. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It, I'm my timeline's confused. It definitely is one of those songs that has just existed. Yes, it has. So <laughs> I do want to break down some Avril Lavigne songs, but yeah, that is a that's a good song. Um, number eight, someone that we have covered um, in a past episode, "Summer Love" by Justin Timberlake. Nice, nice. Was number eight. Um, number nine. Um, with this week was Rehab by Amy Winehouse. So oh, obviously Amy. sad. So rest in peace to Amy Winehouse. Where, where did that peak? I'm curious. I um, was number nine. I'm, I'm not sure where it peaked exactly. Um, this is an entry, I think, into the top ten. It I'm looks like uh, that it um, that it got to the top ten. It seems like yeah. one of those songs that would have been more underrated, but I'm glad that it got there. Yes, it did. Um, and then number ten, a song that I forgot about actually. Um, Make Me Better featuring Fabulous yes. and Neo. <laughs> that is a great song. That is a song I totally forgot about. As that well. snuck into the Thank top you. 10, uh, it added three spots up. And then number 11 was uh, Thanks for the Memories, uh, too. So it was just outside the top 10. We'll include it in our wild. top 10 back then playlist uh, for this one. Um, and actually, one more that I want to add uh, number 12 was Pop Lock and Drop It, too. So great. Song, oh, yes. Uh, as well. <laughs> uh, so we're going a little bit more. But I thought that was a cool one to add, too. That's um, a classic, too. So, yeah. So let me add, let me run through it one more time. Um, so this was July 7, 2007. Go and follow that playlist to get these throwbacks. Number one, Umbrella, Rihanna, featuring Jay-Z. Two, Party Like a Rockstar by the Shop Boys, with a Z, Shop Boys. Um, number three, Big Girls Don't Cry by Fergie. Four, Hey There Delilah by Plain White Tees. Five, Buy You a Drink, Shoddy Snappin' by T-Pain, featuring Young Jock. Six, Makes Me Wonder, Maroon 5. Seven, Girlfriend, Avril Lavigne. Eight, Summer Love, Justin Timberlake. Number nine, Rehab, Amy Winehouse. And number 10, Make Me Better, Fabulous, featuring Neo. Um, another great top 10. So I, I love that top 10. That's good. That's one. a great top 10. Yeah. yeah. And I just looked line. it up. That was Rehab's peak, number nine. Okay. Wow. So rest in peace. Yes. Rest in peace indeed to Amy Winehouse. Once again, then, that will wrap it up for another episode of Over My Head, a look back at Pop's past, presented to you by the one and only Los Lovely Boys. If you want to hear episodes as they drop, please go subscribe, like, review, do anything that you can on any of the podcast services that you use. If you want to hear them as they drop as well, make sure that you are going on on Thursdays. That's when we drop our episodes and listen anytime after that. If you want to add your input, want to suggest songs to look into, or just want to give general feedback, please email us at loslovelyboysllc at gmail.com. And then go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, anywhere that you can find us. We do a lot of polls. Uh, we like your guys's 
input on what songs we should do next. Uh, this was the one that won this week for our poll, too. So thank you all for voting. Um, we're really excited about that one. And then make sure that you go and listen to all the songs that we mentioned all throughout the episode, too. I think it's really fun to go and listen to all those, whether that's currently listening, top 10 back then, everything in between. And then once again, for my co-host, Chris and Stefan, hope we weren't too far in over our heads on this one.